What is up, podcast world? Welcome back to another special episode of From Our 20s. Casey and I are on the road to South Carolina, and uh, we're just going to have a car conversation, basically. Yeah, so if you hear any background noise, that's me slamming lanes, or slamming gears and changing (laughs) lanes like a maniac. Um, But yeah, we just got back from a great night with some old friends from college that we haven't seen in years, and it was awesome, and it sort of got us in a bit of a contemplative mood on this, the rest of the drive that we have going down south, and we figured this will do a little bit differently than normal. Instead of having, you know, a clear topic with a bunch of problems and then wind to a conclusion, it's kind of a little bit more stream of our thoughts, and maybe we'll meander a bit, and there's really not going to be a whole lot of action, but we'd love to hear just if anybody else sort of is feeling the same things we're feeling, um, just reflecting on sort of a look back at our past lives now that we've been out of college for a year, year and a half, and then just right. sort of got pulled back into that old friend group and, you know, a little bit of a taste of the life that we used to have and what it used yeah. to be like. Uh, so we're feeling kind of nostalgic about that and figured, hey, we were planning on having a deep talk for this drive. Why not loop in anybody else who might be interested into hearing and seeing if if anybody else sort of thinks the same things that we do or is going through the things we have just so it's easy to feel alone in the way that we're thinking about things or the experiences we're going through and the more people that we're able to bring in and say like hey maybe even if we're all in different places feeling alone at least we can all be alone together (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah it's super it's super fun to get back together with everybody and just reminisce with the people that we did so much life with and it's just so familiar. I mean, we're in the area that's pretty familiar to us, too. So uh, it's just awesome that we can have made the trip and meet up with everybody. And I think, I mean, it's going to be an awesome weekend. But, yeah, you touched on something right there that automatically got me thinking because it's about thinking. So often I think I put myself in a mindset of wondering if I'm the only one struggling or the only one thinking about just whatever it might be that I'm dealing with that day and I put myself in this pen of like dude you're the only one thinking about this um it's it's not normal you need to figure it out type of thing and and I think I've come to realize and a lot of it's through the podcast and just conversations with you like dude we're so similar in thinking I think this just goes for all humans like we're all created in such a similar fashion, but yet differently. But I think we all think in similar ways, if that makes sense. I know I'm throwing the word think out there a lot, but I think, again, we have a similar pattern or just way of using our minds to just go in spiral effect, I guess. And I don't know, it's just, I've just found that it's nice to know that other people are going through similar things that I'm going through, and I'm just not the only one thinking whatever it is that I'm thinking about. Yeah. And I'm kind of being pretty vague, but I don't know if you can pinpoint anything. Yeah, I don't like how you pronounce the word vague there, but... Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah and even, even beyond just, like, the way I think is sort of is that we all have like similar maybe this is what you're hitting at too is like same like insecurities yeah um like yeah. i remember 
Like, we all overthink the same things. I remember even, like, the last podcast we did, I was like, hey, like, I know this is pathetic, but the last time that I got dumped, I remember, like, a little time later, I went through and, like, re-downloaded, like, the pictures from an old, like, iMessage chat just to, like, look at them and remember those things. You were like, oh, like, everybody does that. Right. Like, here I was thinking, well, I mean, it, it still felt pathetic, but, like, it's, we're all still hoping for things to turn out for the best, feeling like we're some unique case in the world where, whether it's the good or bad, like, we're all just wired the same to be scared of what we don't know, feel like, hey, maybe some of life's, the things that we think are certain for us aren't actually certain for us, um, and I guess even that's, like, pretty vague, but just, I think I've, I brought this up before, but it's that idea that, you know, okay, like, I just kind of assumed that life was going to go a certain way, I was going to be married at 25, and here I am at 35 without a prospect, or I would have a stable job that I liked that could provide for me and my family, but I have to work two jobs paying minimum wage, and the one job that I do have, you know, I hate it, I hate my boss, I hate the work I'm doing, um, and I really hope nobody just clips out that last five seconds and emails it to my employer. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just all, you know, the things that we thought that I'm not, you know, we didn't want to be celebrities. We didn't think we were going to find the perfect partner. We didn't think we were going to be rich and famous. We just thought that life was going to be a certain way. And some of the things that I just took for granted simply aren't the case. Um, and all of us are beginning to get a little insecure that, you know, I guess even the point of this podcast is life isn't going the way we thought it was, you know, I'm out of college and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, This isn't what I had envisioned necessarily. And that, I mean, I have, for me personally, I have bits and pieces that uh, actually no, because I went into school for something and I'd never, I'm not going to use that degree. So yeah, yeah. It just, for those who don't know, Brandon went to school for aviation and is now a farmer. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Like you can make your plans and have this dream of yours and there's nothing wrong with that by any means. Like you should make a plan. You should have dreams, but just, I guess the new expectation is, Hey, it probably isn't going to go how I expect. And that's sometimes and mostly usually for the better. Yeah. And I want to pull back cause this podcast is different, I guess in one sense, because the production value is far lower than any other podcast <laughs> we listen to. And it's run by the two biggest idiots that I've ever listened to. Yeah, second that, <laughs> but every podcast that I listen to that has any form of Christian bent to it, which, you know, Brand and I are unashamedly and like proudly followers of Christ. But they all try to wind down with a conclusion to like, all right, here's the problem. God says this, so do this or feel this way. And well, that's inherently good. I feel like, especially in this more like stream of consciousness, we're just driving through the Carolinas. Like, I think it's okay to just sit in the suck, which was phrased very poorly and moderately suggested. Well, I would just say embrace um, the suck at some yeah, times. Like, like, that's kind of sometimes been my motto, especially like when me and my buddy Chris are working out, we're like, we just got to embrace the suck because we know going through this, we're going to feel good. We might not feel good afterwards, but we know the results of it are going to pay dividends. Like it's good for our bodies to go through some suffering. It just, it one builds our muscles, but also it's more of a, a mental help than anything. Yeah, like, it's okay to be sad, disappointed, or even, like, angry. 
Um, and I think a lot of times, and once again, like I want to shy away from saying that prescription, I just want to be like, yeah, like that's tough and we're all going through that. Like I feel for you. Um, but also like, I think that a lot of times the quick response is just like, you know, don't be sad. God, you know, God is good plus powerful equals stop worrying, stop being sad. It'll all be fine. Um, but I think it's that's less, just too simple of an answer. And I think it's and less it's, about don't be angry and don't be upset versus where do you bring that anger? Yeah, it's like God is a lot more okay with doubt than the church. I think makes us want to believe or disappointment or saying like, where are you? Like, if you're really so good, you know, why did this happen? Yeah, I'll get personal. Like, if you're really so good, why is this? the sixth Friday night I'm home alone in my room in Cincinnati, Ohio, instead of out with friends or being with someone I'm in a relationship with, or even with like family or my parents or my brother who are hundreds of miles away. Like if you're really so good, then why do I feel so alone? Or, you know, if you're really so good, then why did my husband cheat on me and then leave? Or if you're really so good, why did I get fired and I have three kids, I still need to put food on the table. If you really loved me, wouldn't you want them fed? Or if Um, you're so good, why did you put my sibling in a car accident and I lost him. Like, there's so many ways to twist it. Like, bad things happen. Yeah. That's a fact of life. Like, it's just, it's gonna happen. And I don't think God's necessarily doing that to you. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, it's easy to put blame on him or blame on somebody, but it's the world we live in. I guess the simplest and most concrete answer. I, I don't, there's no, I've never been able to grasp that question of like, if God is so good, then this, or like, why do bad things happen? It's like, the only answer to that is we live in a broken world. And not even that, but I'd say it's like, with all that anger, that disappointment, just you being sad, mad, or disappointed at, you know, the divulging path between where you are and where you thought you would be. It's not so much about don't feel that way. It's where do you take that anger? Like, God can handle your anger, disappointment, even if it's at him. It's when you start trying to, you know, I think the best definition I ever heard for sin is it's not you breaking a rule. It's you trying to meet your own legitimate needs through your own means. Yeah. And I think a key word in that is legitimate. Like nobody's saying that, you know, those, your desire for purpose or fulfillment or anything like any reason that you're going to sin I feel like for the most part can be a very you're trying to meet a very legitimate need and it's just through something other than yourself and you know God cares more about the you taking that to him even if it's you taking pissed off you to God and being like yo like what the heck is up with this why would you do this rather than you just saying alright screw all of this God stuff I guess I'm just on my own yeah um and, like, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of just angry, hurt, disillusioned, disenfranchised people coming before God and him responding with grace and understanding. It's the people who, like the Pharisees, who say, all right, I got this now. That's when you start to have a problem. Um, and, yeah, like, I feel like there's just too much focus on the, like, why are you sad? Like, either, like, you know, what someone intended for evil, God plans for good, or, you know, like do you really trust God if you're going through this time? It's like, screw that. My brother just got killed in a car accident. You really think I'm going to like, like God is good at this time. What does that do for me? Like 
prayers is just a band-aid on a bullet hole at that point. Um, but it's more about like, I am angry. I am pissed off. I am sad. I'm disappointed all for a legitimate reason. Where am I taking that to be confronted? Am I being, am I pushing further into God and not even like a, I trust you. Like, I guess there's a plan for this. It's like, God, I am angry. I'm sad. Why did this happen? But God is still like the source of the outlet for that. Yeah. If you don't think God is big enough to handle you either misunderstanding a situation and unjustly putting the blame on him or you taking your anger to him, then you have a really small view of God if you think that you counseling somebody to not be angry at God is somehow going to limit him. Yeah. Um, but it's more just us trying to think like, all right, I guess it's all me now is where that's the turning point in terms of you just trying to take everything on yourself. So would you say you're a believer and like everything happens for a reason? Yes and no. Um, everything happens for the reason and the reason it happens is because it happened. <laughs> um, that's the, the reason I'm not about to run into this barricade is because I got my right hand on the one o'clock and I'm keeping it right. I know 10 and 2 is where you're supposed to be, but according to John Mayer, 10 and 2 is the loneliest view. Um, so I just got one hand on the 1 o'clock and the other on the shifter. Uh, but, like, yeah, it just happens because I'm – I believe in God's sovereignty, but I also have a heavy view in human freedom, which means the only reason that this car didn't run into a barricade right now is because I didn't steer it there. Yeah. Um, everything happens for a reason. I don't believe in the very – I think the reason it rains right now is because there was a lot of humidity in the air and then the precipitation forming with the cumulonimbus clouds caused a certain critical mass of humidity in the air to the point yeah, where you know it had to expunge some form of that moisture down through the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what happened. I don't necessarily think that was there was a farmer here in the southern tip of North Carolina who really needed a good crop yield this year in order to put food on the table maybe there is um but i just believe that things happen for a reason in the sense that god has set the world in a certain order yeah and when humans decide in a certain way there is a natural reaction or cause for that i I believe that god can supernaturally intervene right right i'm definitely a believer in Yes, certainly. But like the reason I believe that this car goes is because I am pushing the gas and the engineers engineered the car in the way so that when the gas gets pushed, it goes. Right. That's the way I think the world works. It's not necessarily like someone at Audi, not trying to flex, uh, you know, (laughs) is in a control center and said, Casey, just push the gas, you know, let's make this car go. It's more like, oh no, like we designed a car so that, you know, if a person does this, you know, Input X happens, output Y occurs. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's like an iPhone where somebody at Apple could probably do something to my phone from the control center if they wanted to. But it's going to operate in the way it's going to operate unless God intervenes otherwise, which he's very capable of doing. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that God is weaving some intense, intricate story into your life so that at the very end you suddenly look back and see where God was moving and everything and it has some deep intricate fulfilling meaning and this was the best version of your life that you could have lived yeah I mean God gave us free will for a reason and I think 
the choices we make definitely determine how our lives turn out. Uh, like I said, I definitely do believe in divine intervention and God moments and miracles and stuff like that. But uh, ultimately, I mean, you kind of do have some control of your life. But um, yeah, the choices we make determine a lot of things. Have you ever watched or read uh, End of the Spear? No. All right. Do you know the name Jim Elliot? Yes. Okay. Okay. So he was he was a uh, missionary. Um, South America? Yeah, somewhere in South America or Africa or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, refresher. The story is, there was a... This is also Into the Glory, right? Maybe. Maybe, like, the book was named one thing and the movie was named another thing. Yeah. Um, But essentially, he was a missionary to a tribe, a remote tribe somewhere, you know, a very, you know, unpopulated region. Indigenous. Indigenous people's region. And, you know, these people were a pretty violent tribe. Yes. And they came and, like, for a period of time, they were able to befriend the tribe, preach the gospel, until the, one day the tribe turned on them and murdered all of the missionaries. Yep. And about 20 years later, the child of one of the missionaries grew up, went back to that tribe, and, like, there there was a huge conversion, I believe, to this day. Like, a majority of the tribe is now yeah. Christian. Yep. So what I was always taught or not always talk because it's a pretty niche thing, but I remember hearing this story, and the moral was, you might not know what God is doing, and something really tragic to the point of a death of a family member can occur, but you don't know what God is doing, and maybe later down the road, you'll see the story God was weaving the entire time. Yeah. But think about how many missionaries are murdered every single year to which there is no fulfillment to our knowledge. And I don't want to say God's not working in the background. Right. But... To which there is no clear resolution to how this is the end of a good story. It just looks like one quote-unquote good person was killed for no reason. And that's just how the story ends. Or how, you know, for every story you might hear about, like, my daughter was killed in a car accident, but I showed up at the jail and forgave them and preached to them, and now they accepted Jesus because of it. And if my daughter had to die so that her and her, the person who killed her could both be in heaven, then I see how that's a good story. But how many times was somebody's daughter killed in a car accident and that person just went to jail, served 10 years, was released, and that's the end of the story? And that happens. And like you said, it's just we are living in a broken, fallen, twisted, sinful world. And in America and most of society, we've been fortunate enough to structure together a certain set of codes, principles, or rules that we can live a life that sordidly but somewhat funhouse merely reflects Christ, Judeo-Christian principles so that we can live mostly peaceful lives and fill them with almost meaning until one day we die and it seems like everything sort of worked out just fine. Yeah, so to kind of simplify that down, I, this is something I've heard a lot recently, you probably have too, is God doesn't necessarily care about the outcome at all. He just cares about our obedience. Are we willing to do what he wants us to do regardless of the outcome, regardless if the person accepts Christ, regardless as if we actually change a person's life. He just wants us to be obedient to the mission that he calls us to, big or small. True. I think that might put us on the other end of the equation, though, which is like be obedient in the situations you're in. Yeah. But what does that have to do when 
I'm 26 years old and I just got diagnosed with brain cancer. How, how am I going to be... I'm pretty That's much tough. just going to live the life I'm going to live. Heavy. But I'm just going to live it shorter and in a more and increasingly crippled form until one day I can't function and then a few months or years later I die. It doesn't seem like obedience in that instance is any different than it was before. And you're just living in what I think we can say is objective suck. And yeah, I mean, hey, like, life, I, life ain't fair. I think that, that's what I'll say. Life is, is not fair. We're not all handed the same circumstances with the same advantages, disadvantages. We all have a different story, and there's no way to explain it. You know, like yeah. why was I born into the family I was born into? And yeah, why were you know, we so lucky? Yeah, why, why were we born white males in America in the 21st century? to parents who are still together, are middle or upper middle class, and most importantly, love Jesus and taught us to do the same. Yeah, like, I didn't I didn't choose that. No, I didn't either. I'm so grateful and thankful for it, but it's, I said this before, it's like, dang, I, sometimes I struggle with, like, and this is something stupid, I feel like, to struggle about or to talk about is how blessed I am or whatever, because it's, because I feel bad in a sense. It's like, dang, people got it way worse than me. Like, why did I get it so good? And yet here I am having it good. And I can have the same insecurities and struggles as somebody who grew up in a, a bad household or a third world country or something like that. You know, the circumstances are different and the insecurities may be different. But the fact of it is we all have insecurities. We all have something internally that we're thinking about constantly and maybe not but at least this is true for me like I struggle day in day out with some sort of thinking mindset where I'm either dwelling on the past too much or dwelling on the future too much and how I'm thinking man it just didn't go how I wanted it to go and I go back and forth of like what could I have done or what can I do now to again affect the past or impact the future. Yeah, why is it that we are born with more than we could have ever asked for in the land of more opportunity than history has ever seen and we actively know that none of the things I'm looking for will fulfill me and yet we still don't have enough and don't think that we'll ever be able to get enough. And I, when I say enough, I don't just mean stuff. Like like I said, like the, especially just talking to you, like obviously like we're being recorded on a podcast, but like Everything that I know that I want, I know won't fulfill me. And yet I still want it. Like my dream, having my dream job or not dream job, I suppose, you know, working for myself would be awesome. And like, I would love to have my own job, be in a relationship, be married, have kids, like live in a place that I want to live and have the access and resources, both monetarily and time to be able to go where I want to go and do what I want to do when I want to do those things where I want to do them with the people I want to do them with yeah. and that sounds like a great life and yet you can look at everybody who's done that and you know that that's not the answer that won't fulfill me did you know that I guess this is just to take one variable and I don't say this to be like I guess I'll give a preface later but do you know what they, they've done studies the average household income, so figure this could mean two people. Yep. They say money can't buy happiness. And Do when they say lasting happiness, that's completely true. It cannot buy lasting happiness. But money can solve a lot of your problems. But 
there is a point at which money makes you happier and then it sort of peaks off. Do you know what the household income at which they say like having more money will not affect your happiness is? 70,000. Exactly. Have you heard that story before? Was that oh, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. that. yeah. $70,000, like that could mean household income. So that's like if you and your wife both made 35 grand. I don't know about you, and you can scrub this if you think this is TMI, but I am at or beyond that number personally at a pretty young age. I would venture to guess you are as well. Yeah. And it's still <laughs> easy for me to think like, Okay, if I just had, you know, an extra 20 grand a year, that would just make, you know, give me a lot more breathing room. I'd be able to, you know, maybe go to a few more places I want to go to, have a little bit more time so that I wouldn't have to, like, focus on doing X, Y, Z. And if the study is household income, that means, like, half that per person. It wouldn't change. Like, yeah. so it's easy to think, like, that's just one variable, but it's like, oh, so you're telling me, like, I'm an NFL player on Madden 07 and I've maxed out that attribute and I still don't think I'm good enough. Like, I have leveled up speed to 100 and he still doesn't run fast enough. Like, there's just, it, it just, there's never going to be enough. There's never a, it's just, nothing can ever be enough. I, I, there's, but, I'm trying to say it, but like, that's, that's the best way I can say it. Like, you'll never get to the point where it's enough. I'll get some it's just infinity. Yeah. I'll ask something, like, really pointed, which is, like, you and I are both single. Like, we'd both like to be in relationships, albeit, like, you know, with the right person. And we both know that that won't fulfill us. And to an extent, it, it might get us on a high for 18 months, but, we, you know, five years from now, we might not even be any happier than we are now. And yet, like, why do we want that to the extent that we do? Like, if we know that it probably really won't make me a whole lot happier. Right. Is it that we've bought the lie that I'm the exception to all of these rules? <laughs> or, like, I'm going to do it different? Like, they say, like, money can't buy happiness. Well, they just didn't know how to use it right. <laughs> Is it the same thing? Like, a relationship can't make you happy, but, like, I know how to they get They've never seen me in a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know the moves that I can make. Um, or I got all the head knowledge. Like, I've heard all of the relationship podcasts. I've looked up in scripture, like, how to be a good husband or you know all that stuff like yeah we we keep thinking we're the exception like that goes for a lot of things like oh I just I'm the exception to this rule like I got it figured out do you think that's why like we think that like oh it will make me happier because like I know how to do it right it's it's cultural too I think just there's some sort of cultural pressure for us to that's the next step go to college get a job get married so like that's the next step for us so like it's kind of programmed into our brains to think this is the for me to become who I am tomorrow I gotta have this relationship and be married like for society to accept me and for me to get reach this next status if you will and this next level like that's just what the next phase of my life is supposed to be so do you think and I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with that like the desire for marriage and desire to be in a relationship is absolutely okay and we have we all have that desire built into us God gave us that desire to want to be married and to want to have a teammate for the rest of your life and raise kids like that's in the Bible like that's the uh, what do they call it? fulfillment the 
It's like the first Great Commission. The first like Great Commission. Like the Old Testament. Yeah. Be fruitful, multiply. Yeah. So, I think God has put that as a desire in our hearts to be in relationship with a person for the rest of our lives. So, since this is kind of like a meandering topic, like, we're not sticking to one topic, it's just kind of whatever comes to mind or wherever the conversation goes. I, I have an interesting question for you now that you've brought up, like, relationships and dating. Why is it that it seems like every podcast, sermon, preacher talks about it, it's always like, marriage is great, like, if you want to be married, I want that for you, like, that's awesome, like, guys need to be more proactive in asking out girls, girls need to you know, be more active saying yes. Like they're like more people in the church should be doing this. And then that's followed up by three week sessions of 40 minutes each saying girls never date a guy who insert laundry lists and guys never <laughs> ask out a girl who, you know, it's always, there's a little asterisk, which is, you know, they're human, give them grace, but then it's don't date anybody who isn't already fully sanctified and is Jesus yet. I'm just curious, like why that, like, cause I feel like we, I understand the fear is you don't want to date a loser or I feel like loser usually seems like it's a guy term. So whatever the girl version of a loser is, um, a lot of road here. Uh, I guess they're just, I, just they're always just, felt I that, think they're just trying to protect you from the like, just get all the red flags out and protect you from divorce, I guess. But but I, guess, I don't know. All those spiels and, you know, I've heard them enough. It's, do you understand what I'm saying, yeah. though? Is it's like, you know, I really, you know, you guys should be, you know, more active in dating. But don't date someone who isn't perfect. There's, there's, there's so many, like, contradictory points. And I don't know. I... That's a whole episode in itself. It dating is. and... Can I give the first theory? Like, I didn't have this. You know, this wasn't in my back pocket, so I could ask a question and give a response. I'm literally forming this theory as yeah. we're driving. I think it's because we've bought into the lie. Or I think it's a lie. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, you know, what I think is the lie, and I think people are buying into, if I date in the quote-unquote correct way, it's an insurance policy <laughs> against anything going wrong in my marriage. That's a lie, though. If you know? I date a virgin who serves in the church, who has, you know, both parents, you know, their dad's an elder and their mom serves in the daycare, their grandparents going as far back as the settlers in colonial America have all been Christians, and, you know, they have the book of Philippians memorized, they have a Greek tattoo on their forearm, or maybe, depending on your denomination, they can't have any tattoos at all, um, you know crap is the worst word that's ever come out of their mouth and they only said it when they were saying how strong the word rubbish in the book of Ephesians was when Paul was talking about all of his qualifications that he counts as lost for the cost of Christ like as long as I follow all of these steps it means that I'll never get in a fight I'll never get divorced that person will never cheat on me like I think we think that if we date in all of the right steps, it's just an insurance policy against have, anything ever going wrong yeah, in my have marriage. A perfect marriage. And the, the, what if we started preparing people like, hey, look for someone who's following Christ. They're not going to be perfect. You're not either. That doesn't mean overlook clear flaws. But what if it was more about like bearing with one another's burdens than it was making sure there aren't any burdens for you to bear with? Because I think that the second one, you know, that seems a lot more realistic for what marriage is really going to be. 
than, all right, like make sure there's no red, and depending on what you mean when you say red flag, I agree. I don't, I'm not saying don't have high standards, but I think it's more of a, hey, you're a sinful human. You're going to date and then subsequently maybe marry a sinful human. How about we learn to interact with each other within that mindset rather than the rose colors of glasses of, oh, I finally found the right person. And I like, even within a Christian context, that can, you know, the stereotypical like worship leader who like, you know, church seven days a week serves all of the functions. Like I'm just running hard after Jesus and I turned around and oh, there they are too. Versus like, this is a person with baggage and sin and I am too. And how about we work together to build a life with one another for the cause of Christ. But we understand that and we're going to be not confirming of that or what's the word I'm looking condoning, but I'm going to be understanding and empathetic and showing grace the way Christ has. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot to unpack. And again, that's probably an episode that we will do in the near future on dating. We might even do kind of a series on it because it's a lot to talk about. Sorry, that I mean, was a long theory that I hadn't thought of, so it was very Yeah, rarely. but it was all, all good things, and it's probably too much to dissect, but I guess if I, like I normally do, I simplify what you say in your rants. Yes, which, I go on, man. Which I like them. They're great. But to simplify them is you put two imperfect people together, no matter how perfect the, the dating is or how... Christ like you seem to be like you said like we all have baggage we all have issues and when you put two imperfect people together you're not going to just somehow get this perfect marriage and not that we know anything about marriage because we haven't been there less than nothing <laughs> uh, we have some experience in dating but it doesn't make us experts by any means we just a lot of the stuff we spit out is from podcasts that we hear or from family or from friends and and we kind of glean in on their advice but yeah you just you can't expect anything to be perfect when you put two people in the same room like they could be so alike and so similar have the same morals and values and yet they're still gonna have conflict like it's just natural like humans we're just we're gonna have conflict because we all have our own agenda in a sense and we're selfish and eventually someone's going to get hangry and it's just, then it's just spirals. Like you're going to naturally just probably fight and argue. And I think it's a healthy relationship is one that learns how to handle conflict and to run through all of the crap of life together and still choose to stay together. Like I think that's the, that's what I'm looking for is someone who will go through the garbage of life and still, like, at the end of the day, say, hey, I'm not leaving. Like, that's powerful. Like, to know we're on that type of level where we're best friends, we're teammates, we got each other's backs, and, yeah, we're going to bicker, we're going to argue. We may not be fully, like, on the same page all the time, but knowing that at the end of the day, like, I'm not leaving. Like, that's Can you think of someone, like, really, really close to you who's never, like, pissed you off to the point of, like, you're the worst. I mean, you I mean, yeah. I mean, me. I mean, yeah. Me, like but. I, I've, 
I've definitely met people who have never like necessarily grinded my gears, but maybe I didn't say but, never. I mean, but like, when this you is have like it, a ride or die, like it just depends on how much time you spend with them. Yeah. Like, especially think about it in marriage, you're gonna spend so much time with them, you're gonna have conflict. Like it's gonna happen. Like I, us dudes, we're gonna do something wrong. You know, yeah. or like tone, like you say something in the wrong tone, or you're just in a bad mood that day, just from out, some outside circumstance, from work, or your kids. Like, it's inevitable, and I think everybody knows that. But yeah. So if we could bring it back to what we said before, and we kind of been all over the place, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I like that this it, conversation. This is this is a miles. this is a classic like car conversation, like deep stuff where you just kind of spider web all over. Yeah. I think everybody does that. Like, spider webbing is so fascinating. It's like, how did we get here? So if we can bring it back to thinking and how we always want the next thing. Yeah. Like, that's something I probably, especially now that I'm adulting. And I, hate that, I hate that I have to use that term, adulting. Adulting sucks. I feel like that's becoming a term because of us, our don't, generation. Don't grow up. But now that we're out of school and in the real world um I don't know you just you eat sleep work and repeat and then so you're always looking for the next thing that's fun like like this this golf trip like I was really looking forward to this next th- this trip and spending time with buddies and once we get halfway through this trip I'm probably gonna be thinking about the next thing that's gonna be exciting for me to grab hold on Meanwhile, I'm going to miss that second half of this trip because I'm thinking about the next thing that's coming up. That cop thought he was sneaky, but he ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> it's, like <Sorry>. I'm, <laughs> it's like I'm going to be thinking about the next golf trip that I have next weekend. Yeah. And I'm going to miss out on the entire week in between. Actually, it's only going to be a couple of days, but like I'm those two days, I'm not going to be fully present. I'm just going to be working. But... I'm just going to be thinking about, all right, we got a golf trip again. And then after that, I'll be looking forward to, like, my brother's wedding. Or, like, you just, we're always looking for the next event, the next thing that's fun. Or and we I, just never enjoy or stay, like, where we are. I think to add another angle could be, like, if we're not always looking forward, we're often looking back. Yeah. Like, I know tonight was the funnest night I've had in a very long time. I guess, like, I had a brief stint of, like, that was awesome, like, in Minnesota when we hung out. Yeah. Um, like, that was... But, like, the in-between, it was real... Not necessarily, like, lows. Like, I wasn't sad. It was, it was almost like my entire life is a diet, and every now and then I get a taste of, like, junk food. But not, like, Skittles junk food. I'm talking, like, a steak and then followed by cheesecake. Steak, it, steak ain't not junk food. Okay, man. steak isn't junk food. But you know what I mean. Where it's like, I don't mean like crap junk food. It's I mean like, like something rich and calorically dense. And it's pizza. like, this is what real food tastes like. Mm, but I'm going back on my diet for wings. two I'm going back on my diet for two months. And it's just so easy for me to look back and be like, that was the funnest night. Am I ever, you know, why is three days from now going to be another Wednesday? in you know an apartment by myself just will something like that happen you know yeah. will I ever see those people again I before mean, I die 
realistically, you can't just live a life on yeah. a high. Yeah, and I'm not saying like, you, you know, should. And that, that's that's reality. Like, welcome back to reality. Like, the college experience that we all had, we knew that was for a moment. And yes, we wish it would last longer. But eventually, it, it's gonna it's gonna run out naturally. So I've been saying this probably for years now and I'm not sure I ever said like I, I think I've said something to the effect to you I think I remember saying this to like my brother and I'm still iffy on where I land because I feel like we all just have to make the best of a situation but it, there's some things that you feel but when you say them out loud it's like that doesn't sound good even though it's the way most people feel and it's most people live life at five and they go for nine, like a nine or a 10 on a weekend. And when I say they go for a nine or a 10 on a weekend, I don't mean that chauvinistically. I mean like they're trying to like catch that like higher feeling. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work really hard so that by the time I'm 24, an average day is a seven or an eight. Yeah. And some days I'm like, that's a really like crappy goal. That's like, you know, like you're working so hard so that, you know, you can like have it's like it seems very selfish and then there's other days I'm like well let's you're gonna be living fives anyway so that's kinda like all you can do mm-hmm. so I don't know I'm just like throwing that out there but like I've been saying that for a while which is like people live for fives five days a week so they can have a nine or a ten every now and then on a weekend I wanna work hard so every day's an eight which yeah no that's an interesting and I get you can't have tens every day because then what's the point? Right, because then your tens become your fives. Exactly. So there's always some sort of something that's relative. But I mean, nobody can see. But I think I sent you that Snapchat clip of a show I've watched called Suits, which is like, life is like this. I like this, which nobody you can scrub that because nobody was able to see what I was doing <laughs> there. But low hand motion, high hand motion. Yeah, I want to exactly. be on this level. Everybody is, is playing at. on, you know, rookie mode. And I want to be living life with the cheat codes. Yeah. Man, life's interesting. We don't have it figured out, obviously. We are young, and that's something that I think we have to keep reminding ourselves. Like, holy crap. Like, I am 23. 22. And you're 22. Something was interesting. Why are we just, like, so caught up in, I don't know, just growing up fast and and having everything right now? Like, patience is just gone. Everybody talks about, like, being successful, or a lot of my friends do, just because I'm me, Um, and those are the circles I run in, but... And that's that's, that's a question. What the heck is success? Well, not quite... Which we won't go into, but, like, that's a... Like, how do you define success? Here was Everybody a question. defines that probably pretty different. Here was or, a, like, the world defines it as something. Yeah, here was a question that was posed to a group I'm in. All of us run our own businesses. I'm the youngest of 22 and the oldest is 31. Everyone's in between. Which is, Warren Buffett is kind of the epitome of business success. Would you trade lives with Warren Buffett? Me personally? Yeah. No. It was the easiest no for all of us. Why? It's too much. What do you mean too much? He's got so much. Okay, how do you mean? I I mean, like, he's probably got his feet in so many different doors and to just jump into his shoes. Like, I wouldn't know how to handle that. And I didn't work for any of it. 
Okay. You know, I, I guess I'm under, trying to understand like what you mean by trading places. Like if it's just trading places right now. If you could be Warren Buffett and like, I guess if you're saying workload, he's dumb rich to the point where if I just wanted to sit my ties on a beach in Tahiti, I could do that for the rest of my life. Like he, you don't have to work ever. It's just not my lifestyle. Sure. So all I'm not, my goal is not to become a millionaire. I don't give a rip about money. Yeah. You know, like enough so that I can support my family and sure have nice things, but like I want to be generous and I again mean, we can talk about money a lot. You could be a lot more generous lot, as Warren Buffett than you could as Brandon Olson. Yeah, that's true. But I'm not looking for fame, and he probably didn't ask for fame. He just became famous because of how successful he was. But it's just not something. I don't know. That's not me. Sure. So we all said no very easily, and here's the reason why. And once again, I don't want to be a billionaire either. Like, And yeah, he didn't search for fame. 99% of his wealth came after the age of 50. Um, so it wasn't a get rich cooking. But here's the reason we all said no. Warren Buffett is 89 years old, I believe. Might be older. There's no amount of money you could give me that would make me be 89. And we spend all of our, you know, we spend so much of our lives trying to become what somebody who is, you know, let's even say 60 is. And the person who's 60 would give it all up to be 22 again. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, that's good. I don't hot. even think that's that hot of a take. I, I mean, think, no, like, not yeah. hot take, but, like, it's just, like, that's so true. Like, time is so much more valuable than money. If you are 20 and the person you idolize is over the age of 50, please know that they would give everything to be you, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. That... <laughs> good stuff, dude. I think that pretty much wraps up a pretty good segment. Yeah. That was just awesome. A good, I mean, good just, just talk, good That's just you and me talking like normal. It's natural. Yep. Um, Easy like Sunday morning. Yeah, so you're in your 20s and your 30s, whatever age you are, man, at least be thankful for your health if you got good health, because you get old, you get old. Dude, I got a wonky <laughs> hip at the age of 22. I don't know, but yeah, there's there's a lot to digest in this episode, but uh, hopefully you can just relate to what we're talking about and just realize that man, we all got stuff. We all got dreams and hopes and desires. And appendixes. We do have, a, some of us don't. I know. I still got mine. I got mine, dude. Yeah. I don't have my seat. wisdom teeth, though. Oh, man, that sucked. I hate, getting my wisdom teeth out was brutal. Well, I got my tonsils removed when I was three, and I had yeah. lots of ice cream, and I think it hooked me, and that's the reason I was a fat little child. You're, okay. Well, anyway, this pretty much uh, concludes a car conversation with Casey. Woodard and Brandon Olson. Um, yeah, if you want to hit us up and with a question or just comments, either DM us on the Instagram or email us at from our twenties or from, from our, our twenty from our twenty at gmail dot com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So that's a wrap from our twenties. Signing off. See ya. See ya.